Today we're continuing our series on It's Not You, It's Me. Positional Health is our title for the message today. Pastor has been giving us challenges each week, and um, last week, let me remind you of some of the challenges that he laid out for us. First of all, read Matthew 5 through 7 and ask the Lord to help establish right core values. Secondly, examine your core values, especially your default settings, and discuss them with your family. Third, establish healthy core values and start, and start working at living them every day. And then finally, this challenge has been um, put out to us for the entire time we're in this series, and that is to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 every day. Pastor calls it the relational breathalyzer. So let's stand and read God's word and see how our lives are matching up with what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have or if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and the, and the great lesson that you teach us in this chapter. God, we pray that we would, as we walk through this series, that we would be challenged to let this scripture come alive inside of us. God, let us be a reflection of the kind of love that you tell us we should demonstrate in our lives. Use us to shine your love and your light into the lives of other people who desperately need to know you. We pray your blessing on our pastor today as he shares with us. We pray, God, that you would give us open hearts and open spirits to hear what you want to say to us. And God, let us not just allow these to be words that we hear, but let them be words that form and shape us into the people that you desire for us to be. Guide us and lead us by your spirit and by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It was uh, about a year ago, and uh, I was coming into the church one morning, and I, I needed to stop at Walgreens. I forget what it was for, but I needed to pick something up at Walgreens just down the street here. And uh, I'd gone in and picked it up and was uh, coming, had got, gone out, got in the car, and was coming back to the church. And, and I turned right onto Jefferson Street into the right lane. There was a car sitting there at the stoplight and I pulled right behind it and uh, sat there and the light turned green and the car just sat there and sat there and uh, as, I, as I watched I, I recognized there was something going on with the car I wasn't quite sure what was going on with it and uh, uh, so I wanted to get in the left lane and go around the car but there was traffic coming the traffic just kept coming, kept coming and it kept coming all the way through the, the, the green light and the light turned red and I'm still behind the car and still more cars are coming and they line up right next to me and so then I sit there through that red light and the light turns green again and cars are coming 
and I can't get over into the left lane because cars are just continually coming. And, and finally, towards the end of the second green light, uh, there was an opening. And, and, I, and I, I pulled over into the left lane and started to go through the light. And as I started to go through the light, it turned yellow, and I just accelerated through the light. I'd sat there for uh, you know, all that time. And start on down Jefferson Street. I wasn't I wasn't far down Jefferson Street when I noticed a couple of other lights had come on, and uh, they're just on top of a car. These lights were on and they were flashing, and and I, and my first thought was, uh, who is he after? And then I realized it's me, oh Lord, <laughs> it's me, oh standing in the need of prayer. Uh, I realized he was after me, so I, I pulled into the, the west parking lot of the church right out in front of the school and, uh, and rolled my window down, and the officer came up, and he was just a little bit hot. He was a little hot. And uh, his first words to me, what do you expect me to do? I'm sitting right there with all of the kinds of cars around me, and you run the red light. What do you expect me uh, to do? Now, I'll tell you. I didn't, I, had, I didn't think I'd run the red light. I thought I'd gone through on the yellow. I, I definitely accelerated through the yellow. And, uh, but I, I didn't think I'd run the red light. But I discerned this was not the time to disagree with the man. That now was the time just to, to be quiet and be humble. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry. And he said, license, registration, and proof of insurance. And so I, I pulled all of those out and handed them to him. And he walked back to his car, the light still flashing, other people pulling into the church parking lot. And he waving at them as they came in and about a minute later he walks back up to the window and he, he hands me my information he looks at me he goes it's your lucky day I just got an emergency call that I've got to go to otherwise I would give you a ticket and off he went and as he went off and took off I, I realized that sometimes one person's emergency is another person's salvation <laughs> that time now, now here I am, though. I want you to get this picture. Here I am. I'm a, I'm a grown man in my 50s. Uh, I can take care of myself. I have for a long time. I have a wife that loves me, six children that moderately obey me. Uh, I'm a pastor of a great group of people at a great church. Amen? Amen. Uh, I pay my taxes. I try to help people when I can. But here I am. And a man almost, most likely 20 years younger than me, all he has to do is turn on a little set of lights on top of his car and wave his finger at me, and I've got to pull over. He can come up to my car and let me know what I've done wrong, and I have to sit there and listen to him respectfully. I cannot look at him and say, now, young man, I don't like the tone of your voice. Can't do that. Wouldn't be smart to do that. I can't look at him and say, listen, I'm a tax-paying citizen. I pay your salary. Can't do that. I can't look at him and say, look, I'm on my way to work. I'm busy. You need to leave me alone. No, 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 no. I have to sit there and listen and speak respectfully to him. And if there hadn't been another emergency, this young man could have handed me a piece of paper requiring me to pay money for my error, and there would be very little I could do about it. 
At that moment, if he'd have handed me that, my smartest response would have been to say, sorry, sir, I will not do that again. Why? Because on the roads that we travel in, 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 our, in our vehicles, there are others with authority. They have authority. Last week we talked about the importance of you having core values, understanding what you believe, why you believe it, how you're going to act in every set of circumstances. And as you go through the road of life, making sure you're living by your core values. But also on this road of life, there are others who have authority, and I'm grateful for them. I wouldn't want to drive on our streets today if nobody had any authority to enforce the rules, because I know how some of you would live by those rules. It's much safer because we have some authority out there and it brings peace. Now think about the different authority on the road. A school bus driver, he or she has authority. They flip a little lever, a little sign comes out on the side of the bus, that little sign says stop. It doesn't matter where you are on the road, what are you supposed to do? Stop. They have authority to stop your car. A worker on the side of the road can be standing there with a little sign. That little sign, he can flip it one way or the other. It may say slow or it may say stop. But whatever it says, you better do it because the fines are big if you don't. And jail time is possible. An ambulance or a fire truck can sound its horn and flash its lights and you better pull over to the side. A funeral procession can come through and it doesn't matter how big a hurry you're in, you better not cut through that line. That's against the law. And if a police officer sees you and he flashes those lights at you, it doesn't matter if you're late for work or what's going on, you've got to pull over. All of these represent authority. The permanent sign may say 70 miles an hour. But if that worker says slow down and they've got a little sign that says 35 miles an hour, you better slow down to 35 miles an hour. You better pay attention. The light may have turned green, but if there's somebody there with authority with their hand out saying stop, it doesn't matter how green that light is, it doesn't matter how big a hurry you're in, guess what you better do? You'd better stop. Why? Because they have authority to keep things flowing in order, for there to be peace, for things to work well. And they know things that you don't know. They're controlling things as they've gotten backed up, they are, putting their, they are putting their authority to work for the good of all of us. Now, if you want to live in relational health, you better understand those positions of authority in your life. Just like there's a bus driver with authority or an ambulance driver with authority or a policeman with authority or a worker on the side of the road with authority, you all have people in your life that they either answer to your authority or you answer to their authority. <clears throat> now, here's the key scripture on authority. It's in, it's in Romans chapter 13. And it sets, us, it sets a tone for us for the authorities in our life. Let every person, who does that include? Anybody excluded from that? No. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities 
resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to, the, to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. This gives us a groundwork for the authorities in our life whether that's a teacher at school, whether that's a boss at work, whether that's a, a government official d directing uh, something in our life, the authorities in our life, our parents at home, it doesn't matter. It gives us a groundwork and a layout of how authority works and how we are supposed to respond to authority. Now, in dealing with authorities, there's only one loophole out of obedience. Only one loophole. We find it in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have been preaching about Jesus being the resurrected Savior and that they have crucified the Messiah, but he died on the cross for their sin and they need to repent and turn to him. And the Pharisees don't like it and they've called them back in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John reply to them, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. So here's the standard for us Christians. When it comes to obeying authority, if we can obey authority and it not break the law of God, we should obey authority in our life. We should, this is a way to relational peace. Now as Americans, we're kind of born with we're kind of raised in this country where it was born out of rebellion, but it was born out of a rebellion because we didn't think that they were, they were, they were conducting their laws in, in, in accordance to God's word. Today, as we grow up, there's a spirit of rebellion in a lot of our music, a lot of our songs that rebels against God and rebels against parents and rebels against authority that we need to be careful about because it doesn't match the scripture and, and what the scripture teaches us. So what are some of the authorities in our lives? Let me just give you a list of them real quick. First of all, government authorities. We've already mentioned that. We won't go into great detail, but when we should obey the law. Two, parents. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So there's that caveat again. If I can obey them in the Lord, it says, for this is right. Now that doesn't mean if they're telling me to do something scriptural or spiritual that I need to obey them then, but if they tell me to clean my room, that doesn't, that's not in the Lord. No, it's, if I can obey them and not break the law of God, I should obey them. I should do what they tell me to do. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. As best as I can as a child, Understand, there's no time limit on this. I still try to obey my mom and the Lord. 
I still try to pay, to pay attention to what they say to me. Why? Because there's no time limit on it, even after we're married. Now, things change after you're married. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here's another one. Employers. Ephesians 6 says this. Slaves, obey your earth, earthly masters with respect and fear and with, with the sincerity of heart, just as you obey Christ. Obey them not only with, to win their favor when their eyes are, is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or, or free. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as slaves. None of us do. But when you go to work for somebody, when you're working for a manager or for an employer, they are paying you for so many hours of your life. You take so many hours of your life and you say, I'm going to show up here at this store or at this workplace and I'm going to give you this many hours of my life and in return for that, you're going to give me some money that I can do with whatever I want to. I owe them, I owe them those hours of work if I expect to get that money from them. And the instruction from the Word of, of, the, of, of God is, whatever we do, do it wholeheartedly. Do it with all of our, of our spirit. Do it and obey them, again, in the Lord. Do what they would tell you. As long as it's not breaking the law of God and the direction of God and what God would have you to do, obey them. And the Bible says that hopefully they'll take note of that and reward you. But even if they don't, God will take note of it. And he'll reward you. It's called positional authority. Here's one. Pastors and elders have authority. Hebrews 13 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I always appreciate it when people come up to me and, 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 uh, and say to me, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Uh, I appreciate that. I believe prayer changes things. Someone says to me after service, boy, I appreciate that message. I always say to them, hey, pray for us. We, we want the will of God. But I recognize this. I have un an unenforceable position of authority as a pastor. What does that mean, an unenforceable position? Well, you look at a policeman, he can enforce it. He can fine you. He can arrest you. So I ask you to read 1 Corinthians 13 every day. And you don't do it. I can't send you, I can't ticket you for that. I can't, I have no way to enforce that. All I can do is ask you to do it. And whether you choose to receive that authority is completely up to you. Now, when I look at this, when we looked at these messages, and we began to look at each message that we're going to preach, we realized that each one of them, we could spend a month on every one of the topics we've talked about so far. We could spend a month on every one of them. And we realized we don't have that time. That take, take us through most of the year. We don't have time to spend that on one subject. But we want to get the lesson of, of, of how relationships get healthy because it's such an important thing in our life 
we want to help you get it healthy. So we're praying. I'm praying, God, help, help me see how to do this. And we, we, we get these topics that we're going to talk about. How are we going to get it embedded? We have just about, you know, 35, 40 minutes to talk about a, a subject. And, and how does it get embedded? And the Lord leads us to the foundation of all of this, which is 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, and, and in our prayer time, we begin to realize, boy, if everybody will just study this scripture, the Holy Spirit will bring it alive in every, in every relationship in their life. So now we challenge you, read this scripture every day. Read it every day. Now, if you don't do it, I can't do anything about it. But if you don't do it, and the Lord has told us to challenge you to do it, who loses? You lose. You didn't follow the the prompting of the Spirit led through your pastor to challenge you to do something where the Spirit of God would speak to you and help transform your life in right relationships. You missed an opportunity. So the call is, pray for us. The other place of of relationship is is spouses. Ephesians 5.33 says, However, let each uh, each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, the highest authority in a child's life after God is the parent until they marry. And then that highest authority changes after God to the to their spouse. And yet spouses have this unique authority with each other. It's a balance of authority. Now, now let me just take a little bunny trail here for a second. Those of you who are sitting here and you're married, uh, if there, let me just talk to you about in-laws for a second. If, you are in a, if you're married, you probably have in-laws. If your children are married, you're an in-law. Now remember, when they, got, when they married that person, there was an authority shift. There was a power shift. And you got the smaller end of the stick there. You're no longer a corrector, you're an encourager. You're no longer a director, you're an advisor. And if you get those roles mixed up, there's going to be relational conflict. You need to have peace. If if in your new family, there's a a, a problem between the wife and the mother-in-law, or the husband and the father-in-law, listen, don't let the in-laws fight it out. Husbands, if your wife's having trouble with your mom, you go look at your mom and say, hey, you know what, I need you to treat my wife with respect. I need you to treat her with honor. You should be the one stepping into that place. If your dad isn't treating your husband right, girls, you need to go look at your dad and say, dad, if you want me to come over here anymore, if you want us to be around, you've got to treat my husband with respect. You should step in that place and remind them of the role that they're in. Now, listen, unless it's just abusive, unless the thing is just really abusive, this is for those of you who are, don't act like it is. If it's not a big deal, don't make it a big deal. If it's a little tiny thing they're asking, keep it a little tiny thing. Don't be all offended and all worked up because somebody's asking you to do something. I'm so grateful. My mother-in-law has been great. I've always felt like she worked to make her home a place where I would feel 
welcome. And that's the standard I would give. Work to make the other person feel welcome. All right, now let's get back to spouses. Spouses carry unique authority. It's a balance of power. There's a balance of power. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wife. Now, both of you will do better at this if you get 1 Corinthians 13 embedded in your heart. Respect your husbands. What does that mean? Treat him respectfully. Treat him honorably. Put him in a place of respect in the home. Make sure the children treat him respectfully. Make sure they treat him. Put him in that place. Keep, protect his dignity every place you can. Husbands, love your wives. What does that mean? Put her first in your life. Think about her first in your life. Do what's good for her first instead of what's good for you first. And with that balance of power and that balance of authority, there becomes relational peace inside of that marriage. Selfishness destroys that balance of power. If a wife is selfish, it destroys it. If a husband is selfish, it destroys it, and there becomes relational conflict. But this is true in all relationships. Selfishness destroys good relationships anytime the authority is based on conscious and not power. Power can enforce its authority. But when it's a child and their parents, or it's a husband and a wife, or it's a pastor and a church, or it's a lot of these other places, it's, 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 it's authority by free will. I give them authority to speak into my life. I give them that authority to work in my life. And if, and if selfishness enters into it, or rebellion enters into it, then there's going to be conflict in relationships. Now, most people have authority, and most people are under authority. So quickly, let me share this with you today. Where I'm under authority, I need to be subject to them. What does that mean? I need to follow the rules. I need to do what they say. You're a student in a classroom. You're in a classroom to learn that teacher has authority. I need to be subject to the teacher. When I'm driving on the highway, I am subject to the laws of the land. If I'm working in a workplace, I'm subject to the boss. I, I do what they tell me to do. This goes right along with this. I am to obey them in the Lord. As long as they're not telling me to do something ungodly, as long as they're not asking me. I had a, had a high school teacher, a, a Spanish teacher, and uh, uh, he would put sentences up on the board and uh, he would, they would be uh, sentences where the jokes were either in, in, inappropriate or words in it would be inappropriate. And he would ask us to come up and, and write out the sentence in English, to figure it out and write it out. And whenever I found myself in that place and I got to the place where it was just, where I knew what it was and I knew it was bad, I'd just go sit down. And he'd say, what are you doing? I said, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I wasn't going to be subject to him. I was going to be subject to the Lord. He used to, he's the one, he used to call me Billy Graham. And I always took that as a compliment. You know, he, took, he meant it as an insult. I took it as a compliment. And that's what you got you to take. There comes a point in time where somebody's asking you to do something illegal, immoral, ungodly. Now listen, Peter and James didn't, uh, Peter and John didn't just leave there 
and, and, and begin to keep preaching. And Jesus, they looked at them and they said, judge for yourself whether it's right to obey God or man. Judge for yourself. There comes a point when we're looking, dealing with authorities asking us to do something ungodly that we have to be able to look at them and say, you judge for yourself whether it's right for me to do what's godly or ungodly. Now, I'll tell you, you can get fired for doing the godly thing. You can get punished for doing the godly thing. The martyrs of our faith certainly did. They get punished for saying and doing the right thing. But God is there to give them the reward for doing the right thing. I'm to obey God before I obey man. See, treat them with honor and respect. Even when we disagree with them, even when we don't like what they're saying, even when they're not treating us with honor and respect, the call of the Christian is to be above all of that. The call of the Christian is to have, to have a higher standard than the world has. The call of the Christian is to be more dignified and righteous than the world is righteous. So our words need to remain honorable. Our words need to, be, need to remain respectful. Even when we're disagreeing, even when we're saying, I won't do that, even when we're saying, I, I, won't, I, I won't act that way, it needs to be with words of honor and respect. When we talk about authorities in our life, whether it's the president or whether it's a boss or whether it's a teacher or whether it's mom or dad, that we don't like what they're saying, we don't like what they're doing, we have every right to disagree. We just don't have the right to be disrespectful. We need to be honorable in the way that we talk. And God says that when we do that, he will bless us. And here's the last thing for you to remember if you're, when you're under authority. Remember, they see a bigger picture than you do. Mom and dad, mom and dad, you're going to ask, there are times, some of you are students in this room, but there are times when mom and dads will say, you can't do that. And they say that because of their years of experience. They say that because they love you. They say that because they know things that you don't know yet, you haven't experienced yet. And that's true in every line of authority. There's people who know things, who understand things that maybe we don't understand, and we've got to accept the fact they see a bigger picture than I do. And when I'm in that position of authority, maybe I'll understand that picture better. There are things my dad told me I couldn't do. There are people my dad at times told me I couldn't hang around with that when I was a kid, I didn't understand it at all. Four or five, six years would get down the road and I'd look back and go, wow, dad, you were right. You were right. Thank you. Thank you for protecting me. Now here's, when I'm in authority, when I'm in authority, I've got to remember I'm a servant of God. Moms, dads, bosses, teachers. When you have authority, you're a servant of God. Ultimately, what that means is you're here to do his good for the people that you're, that you're in authority over. And you're going to answer to him for how you did your job. You're going to stand before God someday and be held accountable for the kind of mom, the kind of dad, the kind of boss, the kind of teacher, the kind of policeman that you were. I am here to bring peace. My authority is meant to bring unity and to bring peace. And so when I'm under authority, I've got to realize there's a bunch of us here that are under the authority of this thing. And we're going to have our different opinions. The authority brings peace. Simple example, you've heard me talk about it. When my kids were all young and they'd all get in the car after church on Sunday, the worst thing I could say was, where do y'all want to go to eat? Because they all wanted to go someplace different. 
And I learned after a while, I'm not going to say that anymore. I learned to just say, this is where we're going to eat. And if there was a conflict about things, I would just, I'm the one that brings the peace. This is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. And I exercise that authority say, this is the direction we're going. Now, if I'm under that authority, I've got to submit to that. Whether in the church or in a workplace, this is what the boss says. This is what we're going to do now. This is how we're going to act now. This is what's going to take place. I'm required, if it's not ungodly, to submit to that for the sake of peace. And I'm required as, a, as an authority to speak those things for the sake of peace. See, I'm called to be just. What does that mean? I'm called to be fair. Not to play favorites, not to give somebody you know, special consideration. Uh, just because of who they are, but to be fair with everyone. And ultimately, I am their servant for good. See, this is where we have it flipped. We think authority is about serving us. God says authority is about serving them. I'm their authority for good. What happens when you reject positional authorities on the road? Trouble happens. And trouble comes when we mess up relational authority in our life. When you're, not, when you're not respectful, when you don't treat them with honor, when you don't live in a life that is subject to that authority in your life at that time, when you don't do those things, you don't live that way, there's going to be conflict. So here's this week's assignment. List the places in your life right now where you should have authority. And maybe some of you are really young, you don't have any place like that. Some of you are older and you've got a lot of places like that. And, and I just tell you, if you've lost that authority, if for some reason you don't have it, it's one of two reasons. Either you've lost it because you, have been, you haven't been a servant for good, you've been selfish, or you've lost it because somebody else is being selfish and they're being rebellious. Either way, you cannot demand for it to come back. You have to earn it back. You may need to get counsel if, it's, if you're dealing with somebody who's rebellious about how to get it back. You may need to get counsel from others if you've lost it about how to get it back. But you need to work at living a life that is worthy of respect, that is worthy of being honored, that is worthy of the authority in your words and your actions. See, a police officer or a boss or a parent may be able to demand their authority, but most places the authority has to be earned and protected. Number two, you need to list the places where you're under authority. You need to sit down and think, where, where are the places where scripturally I'm under authority? And we've listed a bunch of them for you already in your notes, so it's really easy. All you got to do is go back up in your notes and list them out again. And then you need to ask yourself, how am I doing in my relationship with them? Am I living under their authority? Am I doing what I should with them before the Lord. How am I doing with my parents? Am I doing what they sh I, sh I should be doing, what they're asking me to do in the Lord? Am I obeying them in the Lord? How am I doing with my boss at work? How am I doing at church? Am I reading 1 Corinthians 13? Am I doing what I've been asked to do? If it's broken, how do I fix it? Because peace comes, relationships get healthier when we understand relational authority. And here's what you have to ultimately understand about this. Kids, young, especially young people here. You reap what you sow. 
If you sow a rebellious spirit, you know that old curse that, that parents say, I hope your kids grow up and act just like you? It's worse than that. They grow up and act worse than you. Or they act better than you. Because you reap what you sow. If you sow obedience, when your kids come along, you reap obedience. If you sow rebellion, rebellion's coming. You're going to reap what you sow. Three, read all the scriptures we've listed today and pray over them and ask God to help you apply them to your life. And finally, read 1 Corinthians 13. Jesus was so committed to this that he submitted himself to death even death on the cross for the redemption of mankind. Think about that. He took on the most unfair, unjust thing that ever happened to anybody on this earth and he submitted himself to it freely under the authority of his Father for the sake of mankind. Now I want you to understand how this works. We are born... The Bible teaches us with a sin nature. What does that mean? We are born with this tendency, this nature in us to do whatever we want to do. So you read at the end of the book of Judges and it talks about how terrible the times are because every man is doing what seems right in his own eyes. That's the definition of sin. Doing what, I, what feels right in my own eyes, doing my thing. And it's the nature in me. If all Christianity was, was rules, then you would come in here and we would say to you, listen, obey these rules so you will be saved. And if you don't obey these rules, you will be lost. But what we found from Scripture is that that's impossible for us. We can't do that. Man can't keep the laws because our nature leads us to break the laws. By nature, we do it. Our natural response is rebellion and selfishness. So when Jesus died for us, the miracle that happens is, is that the Holy Spirit becomes available to us because the price of our sin has been paid for. And when we call out to God and we confess that we're a sinner, the Spirit of God moves on us and we become what Jesus called, we become born again. Born of the Spirit of God. And our nature gets changed. And the sign of that nature gets changed is this. We suddenly want to live pleasing to God. We want to please God. We want God to be happy with us. We want God to be joyful. And God being being happy with us and having the peace of God becomes more pleasurable to us, more exciting to us, more thrilling to us, more pleasing even to us than does all the enticements of the world. And instead of sin and rebellion looking good, it begins to look what it really is. It's a train wreck, a disaster. It's terrible. We need to get away from it. And our nature, new nature, leads us away from the sin. That only happens by the power of God moving in our life. And until that happens, you can call yourself a Christian, you can walk and sit in church, you can do all sorts, but your nature will always be leading you back to sin. 
When the Spirit of God comes, he raises a standard up against that that leads us back to righteousness. And when that gets right with God, guess what happens to my relationship with my parents? I start finding myself wanting to obey my parents, wanting to do what they say, wanting to write. I begin to mature in my relationship with them. What happens with my relationship with my boss? I suddenly begin to say, you know what? I owe it to them to do my best. Before God, to keep a good conscience before God, I want to do my best for my employer. What, is that? what do I want to do with government? Oh, as best I can, I want to live at peace with them. I want to be at peace with them. If I can obey the, the law that they put and not break the law of God, I want to do that. I want to do that. The only way I'm going to break that law is if they're telling me to do something that's, that's breaking the law of God because our nature gets changed. Has your nature been changed? Has it impacted your moral life? Has it impacted your relationship with others? That only happens by the power of God moving in our life. We can't change that ourselves. He changes that when we invite him to come into our life as our Lord. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the, 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 the instruction of your word that would teach us so much about how to live in right relationship with others. But Lord, fundamentally, I stand here today rejoicing that, Lord, where we cannot do certain things on our own because we have a sin nature, you do things in us by the power of your spirit through the blood of your son, Jesus. So today, Father, I just pray that if there's anybody here as there were in the services earlier today that need to surrender their heart to you, that today, Father, they would do that very thing in Jesus' name and surrender their heart to you as their Lord and as their Savior. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I need to ask Christ into my life as my Lord and say, I need to get things right with him. Just raise your hand right now and say, pray for me. Let me give you just a second to say, yeah, I need to make that step and submit my life to Christ today. Father, we bring this service uh, to the close of this service today. And you know the condition of every heart in this room. Father, if any of us here today do not have a right relationship with you, my prayer is that you will not let them escape, but you will continue to convict them and call them till they surrender their heart to you. I pray you would challenge us in every relationship to see if we're living in good conscience before you, the way we're acting and responding in every relationship. Not by law, but by desire of heart, I pray. And Father, I just pray you'd help us to build our relationships on a solid rock. Father, of your word and your truth, and understand the positional authorities in our life. They'll keep the road smoother, keep it safer for everyone. They'll understand the disruptions that are going on and when it's time for us to slow down, when it's time to stop, and when it's time to go. And that we'll respect those authorities and be thankful for them instead of resistant to them. Transform us in that way, we pray so that we'll walk in maturity of your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.